Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by a rampaging herd of guinea pigs. Instead, it's supported by the generous contributions of people like you, our listeners, on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. Insufficient data to formulate a slide. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Steve, of course, as always, joined by... Devin. And Joe. I was going to play chicken, but... <laughs> you you, you, I, yeah, you blinked. Next episode, there's going to be a really long yeah, pause. Yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, as always, we have another unsolved mystery for you. This week, we're going to talk about the disappearance of Richard John Bingham, also known as Lord Lucan, the Isn't... seventh Earl of Lucan. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. None yeah. of his titles were actually Lord Lucan, though, were they? They were all like I, Earl and Duke and Baron. I think they? Lord was kind of a common. It's just common. It wasn't yeah. one of his official titles. It was one of all his right. common titles. Well, yeah, somebody can write about how ignorant I am about that. Yeah. That'll be good. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know how that works either. I don't really understand the workings of the aristocracy. But I, he actually, I, I, can, I know where the Lord Lucan is. Well, why don't you say that? He's living in London. <laughs> the, eighth, the eighth Earl of Lucan is his son, George. So that's it. Let's run the credits. We said we wanted the seventh, Joe. 
Yeah, oh, the uh, oh, that guy. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's a good point. But yeah. there is a Lord Lucan living in London. I'm sure there is. Yeah. We uh, found well, one in the white pages, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did, yeah. Well, before we get into the story, now that we've already gone all over the map, <laughs> uh, I do want to say that this was a listener suggestion. This story was suggested by a whole bunch bunch of people still not yeah. one of our top seven ten most requested no songs. it was not but no, it's, not. it's got a fair number of yeah, requests over the years yeah, so. you know, and, until i started looking into this i'd never even heard of the guy i didn't realize how huge the story is in britain Yo, yeah. even yeah. today and this, this, happened years this ago. is a mainstay of the british media uh-huh. they drag this out every six to twelve months trot it around on the paper and then put it away till next year when they need some kind of cover splash and mm-hmm. they, then they they find him yeah, but uh, we're we're kind of giving it away. So mm. let's let's say what the actual mystery is here. We're going to talk about the murder of a woman by the name of Sandra Rivette, uh, the assault of Veronica Bingham, who is the Lord's wife. So lady, lady? Yeah. no, that's lady not a looking. thing, right? Didn't we find that out that it's not? It's not an official thing that that lord the wives of lords are not automatically ladies. Is that a thing? Well, I don't know. Everybody calls her Lady Lucan. Oh, then they lady. do call her that. Yeah. Never so, mind. Just yes, kidding. Lady Lucan. Okay, fine. All right, and then of course the subsequent disappearance of her husband John Bingham, Lord Lucan. Lord Lucan. Are you confused mm-hmm. yet? Yeah. Yes, yeah. in 1974. So we have a murder, a beating, and a disappearance all wrapped up into one story. Mm-hmm. So we should and probably get started. And endless decades giggling. of speculation about yeah. the fate of the Lord. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's go ahead and start at the top. Which is? When he was born. Okay. Well, not exactly when he was born. No, we don't, <laughs> but we don't he, really care about that. Bingham was born into nobility. His father, George Bingham, was the sixth Earl of Lucan. And as a young man, he, of course, did his national service which I didn't realize at that time, this is the early 50s, Britain still had uh, basically a conscription system where men had to serve 18 months. Yeah, well, we had it, we had it here in the States until the late 60s. Yeah, I for some reason, it just never yeah. sunk in that everybody had to do that. Yeah, and let me correct myself. I think it was actually the, the very early 70s when they finally did away with it here in the States. In the States? Joe yeah. would remember. Yeah. Well, I know, I know it was in the 60s in Britain when they ended the, the automatic service. Yeah. Um, but he went to West Germany. He, that's where he served at least part of his time. Okay. And then he came back to the U.K., he met in 1963, Veronica, and they were married a few months later, so a really short courtship. Seems to be the norm. Does indeed. Yeah. By 1970, she had given birth to three children. Oh, my God. So they had quite the family going. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was lucky in some regards that a year after he got married, 1964, his father passed away. Well, lucky. That's so lucky, yeah. Well, it's lucky because he inherited his father's title and all of the money. Mm. So he got, he suddenly was in control of everything, which as we're going to talk about later on is kind of important. Yes. Yeah. And he, um, also that was his nickname was Lucky Lucan. It was. It was because he won. It was, I, I can't remember the year, but there was this two day long poker. poker. Baccarat. Oh, is it Baccarat? Oh, I thought it was poker. Uh, he, okay. Well, you might be talking about a different story. Well, no, that, that's the one where he really, really won big. Like, and I've heard the differing amounts. One, I heard 20,000 pounds. Another one, I heard 26,000 pounds mm-hmm. that he won in this thing. 
And that was actually a kind of a pivotal event in his life. It earned, it earned him the nickname of Lucky. It did. He had, it, uh, it also it, well, for... you know, he got some other names, though. Well, he's the Earl of Lucan. Uh-huh. He's Baron Lucan of Castlebar. Mm-hmm. And right. this is the hardest, longest one. Baron Lucan of Malcolm Lucan and Baronet of Nova Scotia. Oh, he's a baronet of Nova Scotia. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So. It's, uh, yeah. This whole royal title thing is still confusing. Right? <laughs> You're I, not yeah. the only one. Like you know why Prince Charles is called the Prince of Wales. You know, I mean stuff like that. Uh, like, I'm not, we're not going to go into that right now. Not, he can't be charged of the United Kingdoms yet. What? Because he can't be in charge of the United Kingdoms yet. So he's oh, okay. just like a part of it. Got okay. It. That's my. More theory. I'm yeah. s- I'm out to just offend all of our British listeners. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna happen. Yeah, I'm sorry, folks, that we don't understand this whole thing. Yeah, very well, well, we've uh, we've had British listeners write in and say they understand how difficult yeah. it is to understand it. So <laughs> yeah. Um. So like I said, his father passed away. You know, he gets all the titles. He gets all the money. He's got a full. He's got a family. Everything seems hunky dory. From the outside, it really did seem that way. Yeah, but, but once you got inside and and you got saw the underbelly of everything, you really kind of saw how tenuous and not so good a lot of things were. Well, yeah. For one thing, he quit his job. He was a banker. You're right, but but before we get to that, let's talk about his school because that's kind of a it plays a pivotal bit in his gambling. Kind of where he caught the bug. He did. Um, he attended Eton College, which is a boys' boarding school. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was quite creative while he was there because he made his side money being a bookie mm-hmm. and also racing uh, on horse racing. Okay. So he was gambling. He was making enough money to to have plenty of spending cash. When he went to Germany during his national service days, that's where he learned to play poker and evidently was quite good at it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then he wanted to gamble on everything. So he was playing poker and... Um, backgammon? Backgammon was the other one. Backgammon's the other one that he liked to play a lot. Those are games of skill, yeah. which he was good at. But he also liked games of chance, which is a problem because he played things like Baccarat, which is complete and total luck. I don't know what yeah. that is. Uh, it's too long to explain. Okay, it's I'll a look it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go to Google. Um, but he was but, also good at bridge, I understand. He was. Which is yeah, also... he, he was good at gambling. He was yeah. good at cards and, yeah. and games of strategy, and especially when they had money riding on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that was more fun than you know just working for a living. Oh, I'm sure it was, because as you said, he, uh, he did quit his job eventually, but he, when he got out of the service, he came back to London. He got a job working at a merchant as a merchant banker, mm-hmm. or at a merchant bank, I should say. He was earning 500 pounds a year, which at that time is not bad money. But for a guy who likes to gamble, that's not enough money. And then after what you were talking about, when he won some obscene sum in a single night, yeah. that's when he decided... He was going to be a professional gambler. Exactly. And besides what I said, the, the gambling also didn't really mesh well with having a day job because most of this gambling stuff was all kind of all-night stuff, right. you know, mm-hmm. or, or at least till 2, 3, 4 in the morning. Yeah, it was a late-night activity. Yeah. Which, the, the gambling, though, that's where we start to see some of the problem because even before he inherited all the money, he wasn't winning all the time. Uh-huh. Well, you it, never do. Well, you never do when you're gambling, but it was more apparent what his winning streaks were because he would go into debt for it. Mm. 
family would have to bail him out sometimes. And he honored his debts. You know, the family would come in and pay it all up. And then he would take a couple of years to pay that person back. It wasn't like he was filching on him, but mm-hmm. he was losing decent sums of money. Yeah, it just, it seems like his, his game plan wasn't that good. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I don't think that it, it was that great. Now, I talked about the fact that when his father passed away, he inherited a whole bunch of money. He smartly used some of that money to pay off his debts. So he at least started from that point forward with not oh not in the hole, which is a good thing. Yeah. But then he kept gambling. But then he kept gambling. Yeah. You're well. Exactly right. That's absolutely the problem. He was a member or one of the early members of a place called the Claremont Club, which okay. is a gambling club. Oh, okay. It was a a club in London, and it served to high-titled people. That's that's the way I'm going to say it. It had quite the clientele. There mm. was there was dukes, marquees, earls, cabinet ministers. I mean, mm. we're talking the upper echelon came to this club and gambled. It wasn't like the Indian casino down the street where anybody could just walk in and drop yeah. their their nickels in the machine. Mm. Yeah, you got to be a member. You got to be a member, and yeah. it wasn't cheap to be a member. And I wondered about this too because naturally, you know me, I went to Google Maps and looked at looked at where it was in London what? and where he lived in London. He mm-hmm. lived he lived just a mile south. Yep. So I wonder if he bought his house specifically to be close to the club. I... Or if that was just a coincidence. I think that was a coincidence. I really think that had to be a coincidence. Yeah. Um, There's some really interesting history on the Claremont Club, if anybody wants to get into it. We won't go into it now, but if you want to read on it, they were scamming their customers, and it's really kind of interesting how they were doing it. Yeah, they were were totally skimming and scamming. It was really interesting. And that's, that's this club was founded by James Aspinall, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. It yeah. was. Yeah. Who will come up later on in our we'll story. We'll be talking about him, I guess. Yeah. Let's uh, let's keep moving on though with the, the the lifestyles of the rich and famous here. Yeah. Which is the things that uh, that Bingham would do. He he had the life. He had the perfect life for you know a guy with money. He could do what he wanted. He had he had a um, an Aston Martin. He liked to race speedboats. He would drink expensive booze if. It you know it struck him. He and his friends would go down and rent a plane and go wherever it was they decided that day they wanted to go. Mm. I mean, he could do what nice. he wanted because he had all that money. There's a, there's another fun fact though, and I know this one is there's a little bit of discussion on it, which is if you've seen some of the photos of him when he's. I'd say about 30 or 35 years old, several years before he disappears, he's quite the dashing figure. He's got, you know, he's got his collared shirt on, his hair is greased back or kind of slicked back. He's got that typical English mustache. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is just... The push broom mustache. Yeah, yes, the, yeah. the, the English gentleman. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a handsome guy. He was, and he was actually approached to play the part, or to try out to play the part of James Bond. Yeah, that's what I heard, His yeah. description fits so perfectly. Yeah. Now, he turned down the off. He well, never that's even- because, yeah, Sean Connery, like, like, found out about it and kicked his ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had evidently tried out for a movie once before and never even made it past the initial screening, so that turned him off of movies, I guess. I yeah. I guess. I don't know. Well, he probably um, felt that it was beneath his, his dignity to actually <laughs> have to audition. Yeah, they should have just said, you're the next James Bond. That's right. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but, and I have but written in all capitals, 
not everything was that great at home besides mm. the money part. Weird. His Going family life. like, you know, playing and gambling and flying anywhere and probably like, you know. Leaving the kids and the wife at home. Sleeping with a lot of different ladies didn't pan out for him? Uh, Evidently not. Yeah, actually, uh, according to um, Lady Lucan's website, he was not an adulterer, she says. Mm. I never got the impression that he was, uh, he was playing the field. He liked to play the cards, not the ladies. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't, uh, I mean, he might have been a cheat. Or two, but according to Lady Lucan, and she had every reason to, to not like him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she has every reason. But to she say says, no, no. yeah, she says that he was not an adulterer. Oh, okay, but, well, never yeah. mind. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk about Lady Lucan while we're at it, because like I said, between 1963 and 1960, uh, 64 and 70, she gave birth to three children. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, it turns out that she had some problems with. With being a parent, and it's not that they're not being a parent, but she experienced something that a lot of women experience, mm. which is they it, call it postpartum or postnatal depression. I've only ever heard it postpartum, but yeah. Yeah, I also I, live oh, in America. Yes. So. <laughs> so if you don't know what that is, it's a depression that a lot of parents experience once the child is born. Women only. I think it's women. Yeah. Is it women only? Because I, I that, thought I'd heard that men get it, but I don't understand I it. I think that uh, childbirth, the whole process, and afterwards your, your hormones are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, it's pretty common. I wouldn't say pretty common, but it's it's common enough that we know about it. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you know all women are going to go through it, oh, or even a no, high no, percentage. Not, yeah. But yeah. some women do. I'm just saying that it's not like, like common. I guess what I'm saying is it's not rare at all. Okay, you I, probably no. know somebody in your. You life. probably oh, yeah. do know somebody yeah. that that experienced yeah. it, even if it was for a short time. Yeah, or like a very mild yeah. case. Yes, she did not have a mild case. She was extremely depressed. To the point that, I believe it was in 1971, Bingham basically, John Bingham basically spent a lot of time taking her around, trying to get help for her, and, you know, trying to help figure out what's wrong with his wife. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I have to guess that he cared enough to do that. Mm -hmm. If if you're going to spend all that time, he then allegedly tried to have her committed. Yeah. Uh, which which I, was not back in those days. It was not considered as heinous of a, of a deed no, to get somebody committed. No, but she fought it, and so they did. Yeah. I, I believe at the time it was supposed to be a voluntary committal, is what he was mm-hmm. trying to get her to go for mm-hmm. while they were at the the sanitarium. Is that what it would have been? I guess. I don't know. Okay, but, but she wasn't down for it. Well, the thing about it is, too, I, I I appreciate her point of view because if you're already depressed, can you imagine how much more depressing it's going to be to yes. be in one of those places? Yes. Yeah. we've And we've had this conversation oh, yeah. before, yeah. so... Yeah, Especially yeah. if it's, you know, wrapped up in your, your feelings for your children. Mm-hmm. To yeah. be told, basically, like, hey, listen, no, you can't actually be near them. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. That's got to be a pretty big blow. But, yeah. Yeah. She was actually, her problems, I think, uh, went beyond just postpartum depression. I'm sure she that was, she, that at, there was more there than that. But... At a later, much later stage in her life, she was bi- diagnosed as bipolar. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. She had some issues. She had some issues. But the point is, it didn't do good things for their marriage. Oh, no. Yeah, of course um, not. You know, I believe it was. Yeah, it was the Christmas of 1972. The family spent Christmas together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't go well. And in January of 73, John moved out of the house. Mm-hmm. So now they're 
they're basically they're on the skids and they're kind of separated. Mm. Uh, she was interested in trying to reconcile and she did try to reconcile the marriage. But at that point, he had no interest in it. He was basically done with the marriage. Yeah, it sounds, you know, it sounds to me like um, she was kind of kind of hard to get along with. But you probably know this that her, her kids, none of her kids speak to her anymore. Yep. Yeah. It also sounds like he was maybe a little like hard headed. Yeah, because say. he was convinced that he could do a better job and he did everything he could to prove that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was kind of an, a, a big jerk about this whole thing. But, and, but then during the whole, are you going to talk about the child custody? Well, just just a little bit, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, please. Yeah. Well, he she did something in the in the custody battle, too, that that really incensed him. Uh, apparently, she she brought out a few accusations, things that would not be considered really really heinous today. But she uh, told the court that he was um, into some certain kinky sexual practices. Mm. That again, that would not be considered. And but for you know, considering the time, and a proper a proper lady does not do those things. No. Yeah, and he considered that to be a huge act of betrayal. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that that kind of hardened his heart towards her, I think. Yeah, you know what? There's a bunch of dirty laundry that we could air about their custody battle, but I'm not going to uh-huh. do it because that's exactly what it is. It's it's dirty laundry. Oh, yeah. Here's what you need to know. A judge ruled he lost. She kept custody of the children, and he had to uh, he had to pay her. You know, he, um, it was a stipend is the only word I can think of. An allowance or alimony. Yeah, an allowance, alimony, yeah. whatever the official title was. Well, he had to pay. But... That would have been expensive because not only the household and, and her, their living expenses and everything, but also... They the had judge, to have a nanny. The judge ordered a nanny and he had, because... to pay, had to pay that salary. Plus, he had to maintain his own household around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he did some things like, you know, he, he played games with her as much as I'm sure she played games with him. Mm-hmm. When you read about the story, sometimes you hear that after he lost the custody battle, he spiraled downhill. Mm. Except that when I read the stuff about him, his actions don't really support that. He basically went on about his life. I mean, he was still trying to do things to, to talk to the kids and spend time with them. But he was still going to the club. He was still gambling. He was still hanging out with his friends. There was no huge market change in him all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing that would indicate to me that he was spiraling downhill. So I, yeah. I discredit that a little bit, but you will come across that when you read this story. It does seem that he had some pretty serious problems, though. He did. Yeah. Let's, at this point, move forward in time a little bit. We're going to go to the night of Thursday, November 7th, 1974. Okay. All right. Lord Lucan himself, specifically, he had met a friend that day at for some conversation and possible business dealings, and then he gave that person a ride home, and then he went home himself. He had plans later that evening to meet his friends at the Claremont Club at 11 o'clock that night. So it appears from the outside that it was just a normal Thursday night for yeah. him. Oh, and by the way, there are there were, there were witnesses who saw him at the Claremont Club at 9 p.m. that night, too. Yes, he had yeah. been there once. I believe he was meeting a friend. I can't remember who it was. They were going to have dinner. He decided to decline dinner and then suggested meeting again at, at the 11 o'clock time. So evidently he was just going to walk home, do mm-hmm. whatever he was going to do, and then come back. Yeah, there's, there's some serious confusion in the timeline in this whole this, thing, which we're yeah. going to talk about. But, uh, this this yeah. whole timeline, it is a, it's wonky. Yeah. It's the only way I can describe it is wonky. But 
We're gonna keep moving forward as much as we can here. We're gonna go over to Veronica's house where things are normal mm-hmm. as well. Kind of. Kind of a normal Thursday night. Yep. Uh, Sandra, the nanny, she normally didn't work on Thursdays, but she, for some reason, was there that Thursday, so she was at the house. Yeah, I think she she took one night a week off, and it's usually Thursday, but apparently this, this week it was Wednesday instead of Thursday. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to say exactly. I've seen, because I've seen it several times. She was always gone on Thursdays, mm-hmm. or this particular one was a weird case. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Too bad for her. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Really shouldn't have changed her plans. Yeah. This, really. uh, in literature, this is called foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. So, just before nine o'clock that night, she went down to the basement kitchen. Mm-hmm. She was going to uh, get Veronica some tea and some for herself. While she was in the kitchen, the basement kitchen, or maybe possibly just when she walked into it, someone beat her to death oh. with a lead pipe. No, wow. it was and then the... stuffed her body into a sack. A mail sack, a U.S. Oh. mail sack of all things. But no, I, I, I disagree. I think it was the professor with the revolver. I knew one of you would do it. <laughs> you I knew mean, it was going to be him, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of did. Uh, when, you, when, when you see the lead pipe thing, you can't help but think about right. Clue, right? You're right. Okay. So she's beaten. She's now in the U.S. mail sack. Veronica, who is expecting her to come back upstairs, is kind of wondering what's going on. So she goes to check on her. And actually, I want to pause here for a second. I want to what? talk about... Yes, I want but to we talk about this. we were in the heat this. of it. I know. That's uh. why I want to talk about this before we keep going, because it's okay. just going to get more and more intense. Okay. When you read about this, it this what we're about to cover, it reads like a, a whodunit or a murder mystery kind of... It kind of does. Yeah. You know, it, it's a, a Sue Grafton or somebody like that. And I was really curious why everything you read told it exactly the same. The details always had this real big buildup to them. And then I figured it out. There's four authors who have written quite extensively on this. Mm-hmm. One of whom happens to have been one of the lead investigators on the case. And everybody is then taking their information from those four sources. If you trace those four sources backwards, do you know who their main source is? Veronica. Veronica. Oh. Okay. She is going to tell the story in one way because she's probably got a reason to, whether good, bad, or indifferent. Mm -hmm. She's going to paint it in a certain light. So I want to say that now because... It does come across in one very direct way, and one side really seems to hold all the cards in this. So just be aware of that as we're going through what's about to happen next. Hmm. Okay. Okay, what happens? So she goes down the stairs. So Veronica goes to the stairs to the basement and calls to Sandra, and at that point, someone attacks her. Mm-hmm. With a Officially... We aren't sure. She starts screaming. Her attacker tells her to shut up. It's at that point she says that she recognized the voice as that of her husband. Here's the thing you need to keep in mind is that the basement kitchen, it was dark. Mm. So she couldn't see anything down the stairs. So she couldn't really see who her attacker was. Um, but they were not in the basement, let me say. They were on the first floor, correct? They were on the, just, she had on the stairs and then in the first floor, yes. So yeah. the top she, of the stairs. Yes, right? top of the stairs. Okay. She'd never gone down the stairs. And, yes. and apparently he, he he was hiding in a closet, like hiding in the coat closet. Is that what it was? 
I don't know exactly where. Again, this is another part of that story where it's a little wonky here and there. And I'm not sure where he was hiding. I got the impression that he rushed up the stairs. Oh, that's her. possible. Yeah, I, I I heard somewhere that he was actually hiding in a closet. or Could have been. Maybe just hiding around the corner in the hallway. I don't know. Yeah, but. well, the point is they struggled. The two struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, she bit him. He knocked her to the ground, um, and then, of course, the, this attacker, who we, she says is her husband, then tries to strangle her. I heard he also, he was, he was wearing gloves, and I heard he also jammed some fingers down her mouth just to kind of quiet her down. I don't know. It could be. I, you know, the strangling part I can get, fingers down the mouth seems like a dumb thing to do because yeah, someone's going to bite. Could get bit, yeah. 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 But, I, <laughs> but I've heard that from a few sources. So. Yeah. Uh, well, the the battle con- ensues, uh, at which point she grabs his testicles, gets, guessing not in the nice way. Gives him a good hard squeeze. Mm-hmm. That's, and, uh, That's what they teach us, actually. That, yeah. that takes the fight out of him. Not surprising. Weird. Yeah. And he stops trying to kill her. Once they calm down, uh, they go upstairs, and Veronica, I get this, she was trying to buy time at this point. She figured she was dead. She figured he was going to kill her, Mm -hmm. even though he had stopped fighting at that point. So they go upstairs. She says, listen, I won't tell anybody. You can hide out at the house for a couple of days and then escape the country. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And I think, well, and didn't he say that uh, essentially you have sleeping pills, right? And basically he he was saying that, well... I won't. I won't bludgeon you to death, but you can just take a whole bottle of sleeping pills. I'm sure there was and a that, lot of threats. Yeah, and you can just do that. And so I will. I'll stop bludgeoning you. You can just kill yourself another way. And that's it'll, it'll all be okay with me. Which is a little weird. Yeah. So he takes her upstairs, and he and he's he's he goes off into the bathroom. Correct. Well, and not before putting one of the children to bed because oh, yeah. one of the girls w- had gotten up. Weird. And he put her to bed. Yeah. And then yes, they're in the bedroom. She's you know he goes. I've I've heard it described either he was looking through the medicine cabinet or he was getting towels to clean her up with. Yeah, I heard the, he turned the when he turned the water taps on to. to That's let, when let she made her break. Towel. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the sound of the water would cover her escape. She realized that she beat feet out of the house. She, uh, she ran down the street and into the plumber's arms, which is a not, pub. Yeah, not the plumber, but you know, <laughs> not the, the, the actual yeah, plumber. Yeah. Not actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and told everybody what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, needless to say... Somebody the, called the cops? The cops showed up. What? Of course. Yeah. They searched the house. They find Sandra's body. Uh, but, of course, Lord Lucan is nowhere to be found. Oh, and by the way, the finding of, of Sandra's body was kind of a classic, something out of Agatha Christie. Because they, down, they didn't actually re- immediately realize that there was even a body down there. And somebody sees this big mailbag and somebody like gave it a, gave it a kick or something and this arm flops out of it. <laughs> it, really, it really does read like a book. It's incredible, yeah. yeah. It's really yeah. just like, what? Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say they saw blood trail straight to the bag <laughs> and somebody kicked it and an arm flopped out. I don't out. think they were Im- Im- immediately, they didn't really immediately realize the was investigation body there. here yeah. wasn't exactly it was, bulletproof. No. There was possibly some contamination of the scene. Well, and let's be fair, right? If anybody had been following the news at the time, if the police had been following the news, if Lord Lucan had at any point called the cops or talked to his friends that were cops or whatever and said, listen, my wife's kind of crazy. I'm going to try and get her committed. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, she comes screaming hysterical 
and says, oh, that was a man in my house. And they're like, okay, crazy. Let's go check it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, she was beat up. Yeah. You know, she did have signs. Uh, she, uh, she had blood running down her face. Yeah. 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 She, she'd been hit like four times with a lead pipe on the forehead. God. Something like that. And she was yeah. still conscious. I know. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, well, the lead pipe was wrapped in a bandage, well, which is weird. I'm not sure that the entire pipe was. I thought, no, no. I thought I'm just... Thinking... Basically, part of it, the part that he wanted to use for for like a grip was Is wrapped that with a bandage. That's that's kind of like you would on a like a baseball well, I'm bat. Entire, yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, yeah. Okay, because I didn't understand the bandage. Was, yeah, as like a grip. That would make sense. Yeah. But we were talking about the the kind of contamination. Oh, yeah, is, yeah. There was blood all over the house. I mean, there's blood on the stairs. There's blood on the carpet. Mm-hmm. They then find blood in the back garden. And, of course, there's blood in the basement. But they don't know if the blood in the back garden wasn't necessarily accidentally transferred there by one of the, the police officers. Yeah. Because obviously, it's a walled-in garden. Yeah, and obviously they had to go back there and check it. They did. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's some things that may be not exactly right just mm. because the way it was handled at least initially sure. that initial burst of people on the scene sure well also you know she's saying i've been attacked i've been attacked your initial reaction is going to be well let's make sure that dude's not here anymore yes not oh it's a crime scene better preserve it right right i mean that's what cops do already i yeah. mean they do that today is we will secure the scene mm-hmm. and then, and then we will lock it down yeah. so that we can take a look at everything but yeah you got to make sure mm-hmm. that the guy's not still there well yeah, yeah. and you got to you got to remember too that there were three children in the house yes yeah. and uh yeah obviously that was a high priority to, it was yeah. well you know the thing is is that it was a high priority to them and as it turns out still a high priority to lord lucan because like i said he was nowhere to be found um, and he does a little bit give his side of the story. He called, uh, he called his mother that night somewhere between 1030 and 11 o'clock and said he was driving by the house and saw Veronica fighting with a man in the basement kitchen and went in to help. And that's, uh, it's a little hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. The, the window you can see. Into the basement. Uh, but the police did check that out. They did. Yeah. And you have, they said you had to be crouching down to see it or kneeling down, which makes me wonder if sitting in a car is too high of an angle. Yeah. Well, and also, don't forget, it was pitch black. I was going to say, kitchen. also, of yeah. note, there were no lights on. I know. I know. Because <laughs> yeah. the light bulb, we haven't talked about this, but the light bulb in the basement kitchen had been taken out yeah. of the socket. Of yeah. the socket. So there's mm-hmm. absolutely no way he could have seen it. Yeah, but this is one of the things about his story is like he couldn't have planned this for very long because his story is so weak. Yes, I I agree. He said that he went in, the attacker ran away, he then took her upstairs to help clean her up, and that's when she, quote-unquote, came to and snapped out of it and ran out of the house screaming that it was him and he had done it, Mm. and... He seems to believe, or at least he seems to convey, I should say, that he was worried that she was going to say it was him and, you know, this was going to damage his ability to see his children. And so he or maybe got even out get of him arrested. Or get him arrested, yeah. yeah. Which I'm sorry, but if your children are in the house 
and your life has just been attacked and you saw it happen? Why are you leaving the house? Uh-huh. Yeah, there's that, huh? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I mean, he did ask his mother to go by and pick up the children because he, he knew that his wife was going to get carted off to the hospital to get checked out. Yeah. So he at least did that right. But it's just, it, it doesn't, his story doesn't quite add up in, no. based on what we know from that phone call to his mother. Yeah. And well, the other thing about his story is this. Uh, he said he was, was driving by, saw, saw her being attacked mm-hmm. in the basement. Rushed into the house, ran down the stairs, slipped in some blood, and his his loss of balance enabled the the, the killer the the killer to get away. Mm-hmm. And then she apparently accused him of hiring a hitman to murder her. Yep, that is one of the versions. Yep. Yeah, but it doesn't really um, doesn't really fit with the physical evidence, though. It doesn't. Yeah, it really doesn't. Um, of course, you know, they, they don't necessarily. I mean, cops do this. They got to take what the what the victim says with a grain of salt. They don't believe her right away sure. entirely. Right. So they get some other suspects. They then rule out those suspects. But lo and behold, Lord Lucan still nowhere to be found. He did do a few other things to try to add to his side of the story. He he wrote a letter to his brother-in-law, basically reiterating what he had said to his mother. It, one page was the story, and the other page was financial things that I need you to take care of. Yeah, sell off a bunch of stuff. And by the way, the, his brother-in-law was not was not Lady Lucan's brother. Yes, yeah. that is correct. Yeah, he but he he had married her sister. Wait, let me let me make sure. So it was Lady Lucan's sister's husband. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like. This makes me think of that Spaceballs moment. Yeah, because when I when I first read about these, I thought when he's, they, they referred to his brother-in-law, I thought it was Lady Lucan's brother. And I thought, that's really weird to, to be writing a letter and expecting sympathy from, from yeah. uh, her brother. Yeah. But, yeah. That's but, true. No, that's not true, right? Yeah, it's yeah. not true. Yeah. Lord Lucan did call his mother one more time. He called her later that night, um, sometime after midnight. Now, she'd gone to pick up the children, so, of course, the cops sent a man home with her. They're not stupid. Yeah. Uh, when he made that call to his mother, the, the police officer was there. Officer asked to speak to him. He didn't, declined to speak to the officer, said he had to think about it, but that he'd be in contact with the police in the morning. That, of course, didn't happen. As we all know, he didn't ever actually speak to the police. At the time, he was driving a borrowed Ford Corsair. He drove from London to East Sussex, where he went to a friend's house. Those friends were the Maxwell Scotts. Susan Maxwell Scott answered the door. Her husband evidently wasn't home. And apparently her husband was one of his fellow gamblers, correct? Yes, he was. Uh, But her husband wasn't there. And maybe one of you got a better idea of this. I never got a clear understanding of if he hung out for a while or if he just said, oh, okay, and then turned around and left. Yeah, I could never I, get a clear bead on it. I'm not totally sure. I thought it was that he told him he, he told her the story, and I thought he made a phone call. I, and, and I thought maybe that was... I thought maybe he might might have even written those letters to his brother-in-law there. Well, but the letters were at his house. Oh, his house? If I remember correctly, the letters were at his home. I think he had told her that he had done it, Mm -hmm. that he had written the letters to Mm. his brother-in-law. But again, this is one of those things like because of the way that it's told and it's been regurgitated, I'm a little bit unsure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All I know is that they found the letters and they were in London. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, take take from that what you will. Yeah, I, I had heard that he wrote the letters, mailed them, and then called his brother-in-law and told him that he mailed these letters to him, and he wasn't in London. So that caused the brother-in-law to go to London to get the letters. And that would make and, uh, more sense. Yeah, that would totally make more sense. And he might have made than that. the versions that I kept kept coming across that just confused the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he might have made that phone call from there. That was under the impression that he made a phone call from there and told her, I don't know if he told her much of anything. I mean, obviously he told her there was a crisis and yada yada. I mean, right? His mother? Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Susan Maxwell Scott. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. well, and he would have had blood on his clothes. Yeah, If yeah. he and... slipped and fell in the blood, yeah. if he's telling the truth and he's trying to clean up his wife... He would have blood on his clothes. Not, a, not if he went home and wrote letters. He would have changed his clothes. You would think. Uh, by the way, there were uh, there was blood on the envelopes. Mm -hmm. So, but he, not on the stationery itself, correct? Yeah, yeah. Wait, and it was like blood smears, like little bits you know? of blood. So, okay, that's... the reason that that's troubling to me is that uh, blood dries pretty quick. Mm. on your skin right so for it to be blood smears it would mean that he would have had to have been actively bleeding probably or uh, maybe he had gotten his hands wet or was trying to wash him off and grabbed it and that would have you know that would have transferred blood i, I guess yeah it would have been like really watered down i mean like blood doesn't it hangs around you know on you dry for a while but like reconstituting blood on your hand like that doesn't really no it doesn't work that well it doesn't work super great i mean I mean, we're kind of going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. We are. But they I mean, know, you know, uh, I think that, that that does present a problem for me, that especially since it wasn't on the stationery, it was on the, the envelopes. Well, being, uh, on the, being, on the, being on the envelope only indicates to me that he wrote the letters before, before. he went and did it. Yeah. yeah. It does. So, yeah. All right, let's, let's move forward a little bit more in time. Uh, we're going to move from that night, which is Thursday, to Sunday, which is the 10th. That Ford Corsair that he was driving mm -hmm. was found mm -hmm. 16 miles away from the Maxwell Scott's okay. home. Yeah. Uh, in the car, they found blood. It was both... It was... I never could tell because it was... I, I saw it listed or written as believed to be Sandra and Veronica's blood. I don't know if the technology was good enough at the time to be able to exact match it. I'm guessing yeah. that they couldn't. They could match by type, at least. I know that. Yeah. But they, they didn't do DNA back then. Right. Days, so, so that would explain why it was written that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they found the blood. Uh, they found another lead pipe in the boot. Which was also, by the way, partially wrapped in tape. Surgical tape. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was. Uh, there was a bottle of vodka. I don't know how much was in it. Uh, and the witnesses in the area has said they'd seen the car parked there early on Friday morning, which means it would have sat for several days. Yeah. But that also, I guess, that presents a problem for me, too, because the timing of it seems really weird and quick. Because when did he attack? When did the attack happen? Nine o'clock at night on Thursday. Okay, so it would have presumably been, what, an hour? I don't know how long those attacks have. I don't know. Uh, probably would have been under 15 minutes. I'm going to guess the whole minutes. thing. Well, there was the whole drama upstairs, you know. Like but I still, I'm going to give her, it 25 to minutes at the max. Okay, yeah. and then he lived how far away from the house? From, oh, from his house to, to yeah. where oh, his lived. wife lived. Oh, it was around the corner, around basically. The corner, so yeah. he had to go home. Well, it wasn't mm -hmm. actually around the corner. It was... Uh, it was not far away. About a mile southwest. So we're saying, yeah. like, yeah. he's leaving town at... Like ten thirty. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half drive uh -huh. to 
to the Maxwell Scotts. Uh-huh. So, yeah, okay, I guess it could have So been. he could have parked yeah. the car any time in the wee hours yeah. of uh, Friday morning, and that would totally line up with what the witnesses say. Sure, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's helpful. And actually the um uh the car was found in New Haven about a mile from the harbor. Mm-hmm. And New Haven is of course on the English Channel. Yes. Uh there were about six AM there were a couple of fishermen. I saw this in a documentary and this was this was uh the words of an author who researched and wrote a book about this whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And a couple of fishermen were loading up their boat, preparing to, for the day's work. And they saw, they, they testified to having seen Lord Lucan at the harbor hmm. in New Haven at about 6 a.m. There you go. Yeah. What he did from there, we're not sure. The lead investigator, um, one of the guys who wrote the books, Roy Ransom. Ransom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great name. It is. He uh, He's convinced that Lord Lucan uh, committed the murders. Uh, of Sandra and the attack on his wife. Mm-hmm. And then from there, he thinks that Lucan committed suicide. Yeah. Somehow. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't speculate exactly how, whereas some others have. Mm. Yeah. But he, for a long time, he's since changed his theory, but for a long, long time, he was sure that he'd, he'd done himself in. Mm. There was, of course, a inquest later on, right? And he, not shockingly, was found guilty of the murder of Sandra. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, because, well, there was really no defense, well, the only a prosecution. It, yeah. That's that, that's the thing about it is he really incriminated himself because by disappearing. Well, not just that, but he told people he said I, and he basically placed himself at the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. by telling people, oh, I was there. Because he told people I was going by and I rushed in to save her, you know, and, and so he placed himself there. And I and, and we're going to talk about maybe one of the reasons why in the theory section. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is just one other little bit here about uh, about Lord Lucan. Because he disappeared, he was for a long time not declared dead. Yeah, they have missing. a standard set of time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I think the family was, um, especially uh, Lady Lucan, they they delayed having him declared legally dead because apparently they would have had to pay death taxes and they really couldn't afford it at the time and so uh, they they actually waited a long long time yeah till 1999 yeah and then yeah. everything went into probate and now they have it there's some crazy things though there's there's towns in in parts of England and Ireland that officially the nobility his family owned so. People were still having to pay to the Lucan family. Uh, so I'm going to pay rent. Yeah, because they were 999-year leases. Yeah, now they, uh, I had heard that the, the family owns about 1,200 properties in Ireland. Oh, uh-huh. my goodness. And, uh, but, but the other thing I heard is they're having a lot of trouble collecting rents on those properties. They are. Yeah. And people are also just buying them out. Some people are saying, you know what, to, to heck with it. I'm just going to buy it out. Mm-hmm. So they, they are. They finally probably have caught up on, on what they owed in the yeah. past yeah it took a long time but that that really is the the end of the story um and it leaves us with the two questions of a did he really kill sandra and then attack his wife wow. and then after that what happened to him mm-hmm. where'd yeah. he go mm-hmm. all kinds of possibilities there yep so we we have a couple of whodunit theories 
And whodunit theory number one is... Obvious. Obvious that yeah. he's guilty, uh-huh. that he did it. Kind of guilty of sin. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we look at it from the perspective of what is his motive, well, he's he's been jilted by the courts. He He's lost custody of his children. He probably feels like everybody is screwed him out of all these things that he's entitled to, which when you think about it through the course of his life, he got what he thought he was entitled to. Yeah. yeah. So when suddenly somebody tells him, no, that doesn't sit well. Yeah. When I talked about his behavior before everything happened, I said, it didn't really seem like he spiraled downhill. He just seemed to be okay. Mm -hmm. And maybe that was some form of emotional shutdown. People do that. Oh yeah. You can't tell that they're a boiling cauldron of emotions Mm -hmm. because they're just acting normal until eventually it does overflow. Yeah. Yeah, He had a lot to be stressed about. I mean, besides being massively in debt and not being able to pay his bills and losing his kids and everything, you know, Mm -hmm. and then there was that one little thing. Yes, yes, there was that one little thing, yeah, which came out last year. That's when that little thing that Joe keeps hinting at happened. Mm-hmm. There's a guy by the name of George Weiss, and he was evidently a member of the Claremont Club, and he played uh, he played with John Bingham uh-huh. there. Because everybody, I'm sure, did. Yeah, because everybody did. <laughs> and he was quoted in an article in The Mirror last year as saying he knew why Lord Lucan had snapped. And the reason was, according to him, is that Lord Lucan had sent a kitten to his children as a gift. And the kitten was sent back through his mail letterbox, which is the slot in the door that, Uh you know, you get your mail through, with its throat cut. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's uh, hours after he had had it sent there. Who would do that? That's, a, well, that that's what incredible. I was asking. Yeah, seriously. I like, mean, if, even yeah. if you were angry at this guy. Yeah, you don't kill the kitten. What? Sake. I actually, you know, if this is true, oh. if this is true, then I, I'd say Lady Lucan deserved to get beaten. Well, that, that's my yeah, question, yeah. though. Is it, okay, so who who did the, the, the kitten in? Was it Lady Lucan? Was it Sandra? Was it one of the, maybe one of the children? Or was it some other man that we don't know about? I, you know, I don't know. There's a whole host of that's people. Crazy. We have another murder mystery of who did the kitten who murdered in. The really? Kitten. I know. Who did? Because but, that could really impact what happened later on. Yeah, of course that's, you know, I mean, I don't know if Weiss is lying or if perhaps Lord Lucan lied to him. I mean, it's possible that none of this happened. And, uh, yeah, it's you, yeah. keep in mind, I mean, he sat on this since 1974 and yeah. just suddenly yeah. comes out with it. It's like, oh, I remember that thing. Yeah, and he, uh, I remember the family, the Lucan family, they had a cat who lived in their house on you know, Lower Belgrave Street and, uh, Generally, in my experience, the, the kind of people who own cats usually are not the kind of people who slit kittens' throats. Yes. Usually, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what dog people do. Yeah. yeah exactly. I'm a dog person, and I would not I know. That. No. No. No, no that's I disgusting. Know. But it, it, it does make me want question this bit about the kitten, because as we talked about before, and we'll probably talk about again, the British media trots this story out yeah. every year yeah i don't yeah and, and again I, you're right and there every why guy, time why did this guy sit in the the dead kitten story for so many and years? every time it's somebody with a new revelation uh-huh. so 
Yeah. Take that with a grain of salt. Well, and, and in strong favor of the he did it is the question would be what motive did he have to kill the nanny? Mm-hmm. But it's totally possible they look. I mean, they didn't look really the same. They were the same height, and same, build. The same build, same height. Uh, the nanny, I think, was a, just a little bit more thick set than uh, than Lady yeah. Lucan. But but in, in, the, the, dark. in the dark, in the dark, in so, the dark. You know, know if it's... it's pitch black downstairs and you think you've got you know, your wife who you are hating right now yeah, and beat her up and then realize, oh, oops, that was a nanny. What do we do? What well, do we I stick do? her in the mail sack and we'll wait. Yeah. I mean, that, your, your plan has gone to T is right. gone pear shape right there. That's the other part is the, what, what motivated him to kill the nanny? And uh, I believe it was a complete and total accident. I, I would agree. I think she I, was wrong place, wrong time. Well, uh, let's not forget though. He was paying her salary and that might've been his way of cutting expenses. Uh, yeah. No, uh, I don't think yeah, no. so, Joe. No. I think it was. To- and again, this is this is another one of those things that's totally out of out of one of the, the detective novels. It's I know. Like, yeah. This whole story is. <laughs> I know. It really is. I can't wait for the twist of like, oh yeah. By the way, this is actually just a novel. That we're <laughs> oh yeah. No. By the way, you know the uh, yeah the, the the twist is going to be in the end that actually she murdered him and then self bludgeoned. She murdered him, murdered the nanny, and then self-bludgeoned, and then ran down the street and ran into the pub. And, you know, yeah, I know. No. I, 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 I feel connected to all of our listeners because they were doing the same thing as I'm sure as I was just doing, which is just shaking, shaking my head. No, you got to love no. those, guys, those guys of devious twists, though. Our next theory of who done it, it wasn't him. That's the next theory. What? Mm-hmm. Who was it then? There are people who say this. There is a lot of people who say that. I mean, there's he left those letters and, and talked to his mother and attested his innocence. Um, and some of his friends have stood by him. I mean, initially, a lot of people said, yeah, he's probably innocent. Some of those guys changed their tune. But some of them have said he was innocent for 25 plus years. So they're really standing there. What what is my hard part about his not having done it is there was no signs of forced entry into the house. Mm. Yeah. So you're saying that's uh, that essentially it was just an entirely random thing. Somebody broke into the house, maybe to well, well no, I'm the place. no, I'm saying it's hard to believe that he didn't do it because yeah. there's no signs of forced entry. Mm-hmm. the The basement doors were locked. I don't think that a fleeing attacker would stop and lock the doors behind themselves. Mm-hmm. And the the back garden was walled. Um, there was no signs of anybody, you know, climbing the vegetation and breaking the, the branches to get out. Um, like we talked about the fact that, you know, when the police recreated the scene, it's very hard to see in the window from the street unless you're bending down, mm-hmm. which yeah. I still think is kind of hinky. His theory does not hold water or excuse me, his alibi does not hold water. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't. Um, and I think we talked about this a little bit in terms of the blood that was around. My other problem with him not being involved or guilty of doing it is that Veronica's blood was everywhere else but the basement kitchen. Well, precisely. And so she never it, made it down the stairs. Yeah, right? she didn't. So the attack on her took place at the but top of the stairs. But we've talked about her this. Blood no light, no blood. Yeah. This doesn't work. There's no way. Yes. Yeah. So let's move on to the next who done it. 
which is a hitman. And there is theories out here that a hitman did it. And it says that, you know, he he didn't, he wasn't the one that committed the entire act. He just hired someone. He hired somebody and probably, like we said before, Sandra was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then everything went sideways. I'm guessing that he must have been at the house if this is true. He probably was sitting outside watching it, you know, kind of reveling in the whole thing. And maybe got cold feet or maybe he was in there with the hitman to see it all happen. And that's when it kind of went all out from under. One of the theories that I heard, too, is that uh, he had hired a hitman and then at the last minute he realized what what an incredibly horrible thing he was doing and he rushed down there to try to try to head it off well if he wrote those letters before right it's possible he hired a hitman to Mm -hmm. to stage the exact situation that he said happened right if he was if he maybe realized oh i want veronica back or oh i want to be a hero or you know oh i just want to scare her whatever whatever his motivation was he had hired this hitman it did go a little south right he expected it to be veronica that he was that was attacked because the nanny was supposed to be off and he went in to save her and then realized oops this person's dead this person this did not go to plan at all Mm -hmm. and then ran away i don't know i mean mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, the, the only problem with that is that he he went ahead and mailed the letters bloody and all when it was really kind of time for him to come up with a new story yeah at this point in time and so really why would he go ahead and mail it? i mean maybe he wasn't thinking straight but i'm guessing he wasn't thinking assume, straight yeah, yeah because i mean obviously the, the, the right thing to do at this point is to not mail those letters yeah. start start cooking up a new alibi uh, yeah. or like don't leave the house hang out knowing she's going to go get and, the cops yeah and be hang out innocent. be there yeah, yeah. and you know play the innocent card and say i was like i wasn't here you guys i'm sorry mm-hmm. how can i help in this yeah. you know because that at the very least it's it's m- way less suspicious if you're still sitting there yeah when the cops come back and you're like oh my gosh thank thank God you for you're coming ha- yes. you're here help mm-hmm. us versus Disappeared. Oh, I better get out of here because I was just helping her. I, I think. I think at this point, though, I think he it, he came to realize the hopelessness of his situation. I and... also think that this, though, there isn't a lot of support for this theory. I uh-huh. think there are some signs that it might be the right one, yeah. and that's the car. Yeah. Because think about it this way: he sends the guy in. The guy mucks the whole thing up and kills the nanny. He goes in, he discovers it. He sends the guy outside and the guy goes and sits in the car and waits. You know, okay, boss, I'll be waiting for you Uh because there's blood in the car and the hitman's going to have blood all over him from beating Veronica. Uh And then from beating Veronica or from beating uh, the nanny? Well, I think both. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it's going to be both of them. He's going to have blood all over him. Mm. And that would explain why there was blood and hair in the car. Yeah. Mm. And then, of course, there was, you know, some of the stuff. So I, I really, I think that he was trying to break it up. And, and as Devin put it, be the hero of the situation. And then he screwed it up. Mm-hmm. He takes off. He drops the guy off wherever he's going to drop him off for his final bit of, of time with him. And maybe he pays him. Maybe he 
doesn't. I don't know. Now, if you, if you and, kill the wrong person, I don't, I don't, I don't think you deserve. I to don't get think paid. you deserve to get paid. Uh, no. But on the other hand, you know, do you really look at the hitman and say, "Hey, screw you, I'm not paying you"? Yeah, you probably don't. Probably don't. You no. say the checks in the mail. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a safe bet. Yeah, but I, that's personally, I, I kind of think that's probably the, the most likely scene. I think. I, I don't think he had the stones to do it I don't himself. Think he did either. Yeah. No. Well, he, the thing about it, the, the reason I don't like the hitman theory is, is that. Uh, Lord Lucan, whatever his faults, did love his children. He did. And the problem, the problem with sending a hitman by that to kill your wife is if one of your kids stumbles upon the scene. Well, then and that's why I don't get whacked he, too. I don't think that it was the hitman was supposed to kill anybody. I think he was supposed to rough her up. Oh, I see. And then he would run in as the hero and chase the bad guy away, and she would realize how much she loved and needed him and welcome him back. Now, well, generally, using a lead pipe to rough somebody up <laughs> is not a good strategy. <laughs> I mean, maybe, I will maybe agree. banging somebody, hitting somebody on the ribs and breaking a few ribs, but you don't hit him on the head. Yeah, no. although, again, the big question then is, like, she did try to reconcile with him. Maybe it was to make the house seem like a dangerous place for the kids so he would get custody. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's a thousand ways that he may, that somebody may have thought that should play yeah, out in their yeah. favor. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I don't I, think the hitman was trying to just rough her up because the lead pipe that he used... It's a serious tool. Well, it's not just a serious tool. It was bent. The lead pipe was bent. Oh, that's some that's seriously rough. hard whacking. Yeah, that was okay. Yeah, let's smacking and whacking. Let's let's move forward to where did he go? Because we're done with who done it. Now let's find out what happened to him. Yeah, what did happen to him? Yeah. Well, the the most popular theory is that he committed suicide. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. it's uh, let's see. His 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 friend John Aspinall, who's a really wealthy guy on his own. They're always wealthy. who by the they way are. who by the way owns a couple of zoos. He does. That's his, that's his deal. <gasps> oh but uh, I mean, he he had nothing to gain from mm. standing by. Lucky Luke in all these years, sure. but he, he said he probably didn't do it, but he probably did take the gentleman's out, probably took a boat out, got out in the channel, pulled the plug in the middle of the boat and sank with it. Do they yeah. actually come with plugs? Yeah. Some boats do. Some boats do. They, do. Really? they have drain. Yeah. yeah. It's a drain plug. Yeah. Oh. Not all yeah. of them, but yeah. It's a real thing. Well, <laughs> it's not just in Looney Tunes. Another theory I, that uh, he put out uh, there. Hmm. Is that uh, it's and this would be a little easier to do. Um, uh, there's a ferry that leaves New Haven a couple of times a day and goes to France. And so you could have either boarded the ferry or more likely maybe you snuck on board and stowed away, which would explain why nobody on the ferry remembered seeing it. But you could have just basically out in the middle of the channel jumped overboard. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the that's the primary way that everybody thinks that if he did commit suicide, he did it. Is like he, drowning he, himself. Drowning himself in the English Channel. Sure. Well, yeah, and apparently he got, uh, I, I, I think he got these from um, Susan... Maxwell... Uh, Maxwell Scott. Yes. Uh, I think he, I, I believe he got a, a set of really strong sleeping pills from Susan Maxwell Scott. I do remember something about that. I don't remember the exact details at this moment. But. Yeah, the, 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 the thinking is is that he took himself a huge dose of sleeping pills, and then when those were starting to kick in, flung himself overboard. Mm. And if he, if he went over the side of the ferry, then un, bad, unlucky for him, he probably got sucked into the screws. Oh. Yeah, bad okay. ending. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move forward to our next theory of where did he go, which is he left the country. Yeah. 
Okay. Could have actually had a fake passport. He, he hopped on the ferry at New Haven. Mm. Think about it. Lord mm. Lucan, he comes from money. He's got wealthy friends. He can do whatever he wanted when he was basically being a playboy almost. I mean, he just, he did what he wanted. He could. And so it's quite possible that he got a hold of some of his friends and they said, whoa, mate, that's screwed up. We'll get you out of town. Do it with the accent now. No. <sighs> and so they... They got him out of town. And you can pick your favorite country right now, and chances are good he was sighted in that country. Ukraine. I, I swear yeah. he's been sighted more than Elvis. Oh, yeah, thousands of sightings. Yes, yeah, thousands literally. of sightings. There there are uh, two people who are the favorites for, if we're going to say that he got spirited out of the country. Uh-huh. Okay. The, Two people it, that are favorites are John Aspinall, as we said, and James Goldsmith. Who Sir, was, Sir James Goldsmith. Sir James Goldsmith, who was also a very rich man. Uh-huh. Yeah. Actually, and, the uh, lady on Lady Lucan's website, she has something to say about that, believe it or not. She, says, she actually says on her website that those guys didn't like him all that much at all. Really? She said, yeah. She said, she quotes somebody else. There is a, um, uh, there's a guy who, and I, I've actually read this guy's stuff before. He writes a lot about politics, or mm-hmm. at least he used to. But he's also, he also wrote a little bit about gambling. And apparently he knew the guy, the, the whole Claremont Club gang. Uh, so his name is Taki, and last name unpronounceable. Uh, he actually wrote in the Sunday Times, quote, this is regarding Sir James Goldsmith. He wrote, Goldsmith was not particularly fond of Lucan, unquote. She hmm. wrote that. Hmm. Uh, she also says on her website, John Aspinall was not one of the late Lord Lucan's best friends. Both James Goldsmith and John Aspinall have supported my version of events, namely that my late husband murdered Mrs. Rivet by mistake instead of me and shortly thereafter committed suicide. They did not want their integrity damaged by a murderer. Hmm. That, that is, that that is, is really lady... funny because she's the only one who really puts that out there. And I, I love that that says that she says my version of events. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there at the time. I don't know how much they did or did not like him. But those two guys are the prime candidates. Oh, yeah, they are. That, that's what everybody else says. But, but, but according to her, they didn't much care for him. Huh. And according to Taki Unpronounceable... They, they yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, they weren't his buddies either. Well, according to the theory, what those two did is they helped spirit him out of the UK and get him to Kenya. Yeah. And then years later, they organized trips for his children to Kenya so that he could see them, and, unbeknownst to them. And another one of these is, is Gabon also. Yeah, well, yeah, there's yeah. a whole bunch of these. But this this one where it says that they went to, that he went to Kenya, that is from Aspinall's uh, secretary. She mm-hmm. said that she did all these transfers and all this funny stuff. And years later, figured out. passports for them, I guess. And then, and... Yeah, figured out who it was for. Or there's another version that says that he was flown. Uh, he went to a small airfield in Kent and then got on a plane uh, heading to France. The person who helped him in this version is Susan Maxwell Scott. She's mm-hmm. the one who organized the whole thing. Yeah. Now, I will say that the source for this blatantly admits that he was told the story while in a pub. 
uh-huh. which really makes me question how much truth there is to it. Yeah. But the guy who's telling the story says that then he, it was his father who drove them to the airport, and then he himself went and picked up the Corsair mm. and then drove it away and and dumped it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, there's, no, that's not there's the so many sightings, story. though. Uh, I want to say about the whole thing about transporting the kids to Africa where, you know, and, and of course, they didn't meet with him, according to that right. story. He was watching them. He watched them from a distance. I, I saw an interview that his son, George, did, mm-hmm. the eighth Earl. And, yes. Uh, and actually, he was, he, was, he was quite intelligent and articulate, and I love the way he put this. It says, he said, I've never, ever been to Gabon, and uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Maybe it's Gabon. Or, but anyway... He says, I had never, ever been to Gabon, and, and, and I guess I was supposedly tra- transported down there with my, with my sister. Then there, from my, my father could watch us or view us from some creepy distance. Yes. That's the way he put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, he was very dismissive of that entire story. He well, said, the whole no. family's been dismissive of most of these theories that are out there, short of he went uh-huh. ahead and, and did himself in in the channel. Yeah. But here's some of my favorite sightings. Yeah, I want to hear them. All right. He was sighted in Martin, New Zealand. There was an Englishman who was investigated as possibly being Lord Lucan, even though uh, it turned out that he was just some English guy living in his Land Rover with yeah. his pet possum. Did you see the picture of him with his possum? Yes, I did. Yeah, possums look a little different in New Zealand. They do. They're they're different color and yeah. not nearly as ugly. Yeah. Uh, never mind. Now, this is the best part. Everybody said it was Lord Lucan because it was a Brit, even though this guy was 10 years younger and half a foot shorter. Of course. Yeah, but he was in a Land Rover. Well, there you go. So there you go. So he had money, obviously. Yeah. Uh, let's see. what else. Oh, this is awesome. He lived in Goa where he was uh, living the hippie lifestyle as bear Halpin until his death in 1996, and he had the awesomest nickname ever, Jungly Berry. Yeah, and that was pretty conclusively disproven. Yeah, Uh, he worked as a waiter in a San Francisco restaurant, and then because the IRA have to get involved in everything, the last one says that he was held hostage by the IRA, and presumably they were responsible for the attack on his family, I guess, and then. Before they killed him, or before he killed himself, he asked to be fed to the tigers at the zoo in Kent. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Which, no, by the way, was owned by owned Aspinall. Owned by Aspinall, yeah. yeah. I, I've heard that one, too. The uh, Another theory that I've heard is that um, the the underworld contacts, the shady underworld contacts that uh, hooked him up with the hitman... Uh, realized that he was kind of a liability after the whole thing went south. And knocked him off. And knocked him off, yeah. So that's another theory. Sure. It's entirely possible yeah. at this point with all the other craziness we've had going on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but... I'm inclined to believe he killed himself with a lead pipe <laughs> on the ferry <laughs> in the English Channel. With a candlestick. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that most likely he did himself in. And I, like I said, I personally think that the, he sent somebody into the house and then the whole, and then realized what a dumb idea it was is probably what happened. But that's my opinion. I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm inclined to believe that he didn't hire a hitman. He just went in there himself to do it. But, uh, and, you know, kind of bungled the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if he did it himself, he really did bungle he, the yeah. whole thing. He yeah, really didn't think his crime too, too uh-uh. carefully. He should have really put a lot more thought into he it. He should have. Yeah, I that, well, one one last thing is that, that in that 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 mirror interview with uh, George the Eighth Earl, he talked about how 
sick the family is of hearing of all these sightings. <laughs> They're just so yeah. tired of it. They say yeah. people do like, we are so tired of this. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's not alive. He died, you know. Please, everybody accept it. Yeah. Well, if you have any thoughts on this particular story or any other stories that you would like us to take a look at, you are more than welcome to send those to us. You can send that to our email address, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. We, of course, have our website where this and all previous episodes are, and as well as some of our research. That website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. We are on iTunes, and I know a lot of people find us through there. If you do subscribe or you do listen to the show, do take the time to leave a comment and a rating. That always helps us move through the rankings and more yeah. people to find us. A good rating. You can, uh, well, you can stream us from just about any site anymore, so I'm not really going to plug one. And we are on social media. We are on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and the Facebook group. Both of those are available to you. And we are also on Twitter. We are thinking sideways without that middle G. Mm -hmm. And of course, last but not least, if you're enjoying what we do with the podcast and you want to show your support, you're more than welcome to do that. We are on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thinking sideways. Completely voluntary, but that is something that you can do if you want to help out the show. That yeah. is all of it, if I think correctly. I think you've summed it all up. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Get ready, guys. The next episode comes out in the month of October, oh. which is a big, uh, a big month. It's yeah. a listener's suggestion to our top stories. We're calling it Thinking Sideways Most Wanted. Yes. Yeah. Because Ooh. these are our most suggested or highest voted stories to cover. Yeah. So we're going to do that for the entire month of October. I know. But we're not going to tell you what, what, what next week is. Nope. nope. Well, we never do that anyway. Big honking surprise. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. So it was choopy. In the kitchen with a lead pipe. It's, Joe's just so wrong all the time. <laughs> I had to mention Choopy. I haven't accused Choopy of anything for a while.